The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This is another opportunity for questions, discussion, observations. Yeah. And, uh, mics. There's one. Hi, I have a comment and maybe a question to clarify. Um, as I was doing the walking meditation, um, one thing I noticed was I, for example, saw this, um, I guess, picnic bench in front of a building that looks like an office. And I noticed my mind was fabricating a story um, around that, like, oh, what a nice thing to do to allow your workers to eat outside in the shade and, you know, all this wonderful stories that I was telling myself. And then I caught myself doing that, and I realized what makes me think that is just a bench in front of a building. And, you know, similar stories have happened along the way with birds on trees and, you know, people parking their cars and all sorts of things that I was just making up stories for myself to keep telling uh-huh. over and over, different stories, of course. Um, so that's the comment. My question in regard to the open awareness is, um, I don't know if this is true, but I t- seem to tell myself the story that open awareness means that I have to take in everything. The sound, my feeling, the you know the sensation of my feet touching the ground, everything to call it quote open awareness, but I don't think that's what you said. I think what you're saying is that awareness could be just the sound, could be just the sensation of my hand. Anything is awareness. Yes, uh, and that, I'm just a little confused. So the, oh, by open awareness, I mean sometimes I use receptive awareness instead of open awareness, because you know perhaps the the just the phrase open awareness does have a sense of have to know everything. But the, the experience or the, the practice here is it's open in that we can receive from anywhere, but we don't have to receive everything. So it's just what is, what is available to be known? What's known? What's obvious? What's here? And so it, 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 we don't have to know everything. And in fact, you know, it, sometimes if we're trying to know everything, um, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And so, you know, it's just what's obvious. Sometimes when we are very, when the mindfulness gets very continuous, it does feel like, as, as someone uh, asked earlier, it does feel like we are kind of like blown open, like we are in this field of, of just being open to everything simultaneously, and it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And, and yet it doesn't have to, to be that way. And, and if it is that way, then we just notice, okay, that is how the mind is receiving information now. So we're more interested in how is the mind working in this moment. Sometimes the mind will narrow down and focus on something. And that's natural. Our minds have that capacity, and they will do that. Sometimes the mind might choose to attend to the breath or to attend to a sound. So that, and then we can just know that, oh, this is what the mind is doing now. And then sometimes it will be broader. Sometimes it will have more of a sense of, of taking in a, a larger kind of experience. But even in that, even in, in settling back and, and um, taking in a broader experience, kind of like the seeing, like when we, 
I was talking about you know, taking in seeing earlier. I don't know if you were here when I was talking about the distinction between seeing and looking. Were you here when I talked about that? Okay, so, so sometimes in the, in the um, walking meditation, you know, we, we might be just knowing that we're seeing. And it kind of is like, you know, just like um, seeing a panorama, just not really focusing on anything in particular, but just taking in the broadness of seeing. And it's, it maybe, maybe feels like a wide-angle lens. And we just kind of know at the very, um, you know, grossest way or the very most, um, you know, it's, 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 like, it's like letting the eyes relax and have a soft focus around a broad expanse of landscape. In that place, it's not like you know every single detail of what's being seen. You just have a sense of that seeing is happening in a sense of maybe shapes and contours of the experience in, in the breadth of that seeing. And sometimes the mind will kind of narrow down and say, oh, that tree, that bird, that... And, and so sometimes it gets very specific. But, but the mind has the capacity to do both, both to be broad and receptive and to take in a, a kind of a, almost the gestalt of experience. But in that broader experience... Much of the time we aren't knowing everything, but just the kind of shape or contour of that. And so just one of the things that um, we can begin to uh, notice is when the mind, when the attention is broad and when it is specific. And we don't have to, like if, if we're noticing that the attention kind of narrows down. I talked about seeing versus looking in the walking. At times we might notice that the mind is in a very, or that you know the, the, the eyes are just seeing and just kind of taking in the field. And then suddenly something happens. Uh, a bird flies across our path and suddenly we're focused and looking. And we don't have to have the idea that somehow being in the broad or expansive is better. It's just a different thing that the mind can do. And sometimes the mind will naturally, whoo, look at something or focus on something. So just watching the whole play of how the mind works. And so it's not, it, it's not, it doesn't mean that you have to, to know everything at once. Yeah. And then the, just a comment about the, um, the thinking and seeing these stories and recognizing, wow, you know, I don't even know that these are true. Um, you know, that in some ways is pointing to um, what I was pointing to in the, in the meditation right after lunch, that there's stuff going on, like we see, for instance, a bench outside of a, of a building. And, and then there's this kind of story going on. And often we are not so cognizant that the seeing of the bench and the story are two different things. And we believe to some extent, you know, oh, you know, we might go tell somebody, oh, I saw that, that there was this bench, you know, this, this picnic table outside of an office and that company put it there so that their employees can, and we don't know. We don't even know, you know, how it got there or anything. And so, you know, we begin to recognize that there's just what we experience and then there's all of our ideas, our agendas, our views, our opinions about what we experience. And in that place or in that uh, field of all of our agendas, views, opinions, ideas is a lot of where our suffering gets constructed. In this case, it wasn't particularly suffering. You know, it was just like, oh, that's kind of nice. But at the same time, you recognized, I don't know. I don't know what this is about. And, you know, sometimes it can happen that we see something or hear something and we create a view about it and think, well, that shouldn't be what's happening. And, and we don't even know 
what the underlying um, situation is. And so it, that, that can be a place, those views, those beliefs, those ideas can be a place where we spring into reactivity without even recognizing that, um, that we're reacting to the concept or the idea rather than what's actually happening. So that's a great thing for, for, to, to see. It's, it's, it's a great um, avenue to open up and do, begin to recognize, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So it seems like the thing that um, interrupts mindfulness or leads to an interruption of it is the illusion that I can control thoughts. (laughs) And I've always been desperate to control thoughts. Um, Some of my thoughts can get kind of horrific and terrifying. And... uh, so I want to get rid of those or fix those, or, and I want to bring in other thoughts and all kinds of stuff. But in fact, I can't, con- I can't affect the thoughts any more than I can affect clouds in the sky. Um, and the effort to, con- to control them causes me to dive into a, a universe of, uh, of thoughts and forget uh, mindfulness and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. So I really only have, I can't control thoughts, but I can choose whether to go into that universe or I can choose to be aware of awareness. Yes. And if I'm aware of awareness, other thoughts start to arise that are healthy and, uh, I guess as you said, wise. Mm-hmm. And and actually efficient too in, in dealing you know taking care of business because I'm not sitting in the forest monastery somewhere. Uh-huh. And as you said, it, I, the way Gil puts it, I think is what do you have confidence in? Mm-hmm. And so it's slowly learning that if I have confidence in those thoughts and believe those thoughts, then good things happen. Different things happen and often um, in the direction of letting go yeah. and well, that, wholesome, I, wholesome states of mind. Actually, it's like getting picked up by a wave. Mm-hmm. And, and the uh, only thing I, ha- I need to do is not fight to get off the wave, so to speak. And so, um, anyway, this I was at this... When you gave this a few months ago, I was here, and now I'm here today, and I just want to say it's really been it's really been powerful for me. Mm, I'm so, glad. Yeah. What I'd say too is that you know we can't control what is already arisen. It's already here, and thoughts are like that. You know, they're already here. It's like we can't go back and undo it. And so what we were exploring is opening to what's already here, and that very action or that very inclination or intention to open to what's here as you say when we become aware of that something completely different happens and heading in the direction of wholesomeness and letting go of the of the reactivity and so it's it's not so much that we we're not controlling what's here but as you say there's a kind of a choice to open to it 
oh, this is what this is what's happening, and and there may be some level of of choice when we become aware um, to connect to, a, as you were pointing to, being aware of awareness. And at times there may be also a kind of a choice to say, oh, you know, it's kind of like, well, there's that that thought. And sometimes there can feel like there's a momentum to jump on that thought and think more thoughts. And, and we may be able to let that go. Well, that's the thing. As soon as I become aware, then there's, you know, you've got to jump back in there because that's where the action is. Uh-huh. So there's an inclination in yeah. that direction. But yeah. then if you see that inclination, you may not have to go there too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, in back here. Mm-hmm. It seems to be. So, so the, yeah, the question is, um, uh, I'm not sure it was on, so I'll repeat the question. Um, um, why are these insights similar? I can describe what's happening in my experience, and it sounds similar or familiar, and, you know, what's happening? Well, my understanding of it is that basically, you know, what the Buddha was pointing to was kind of the underlying... Mm, mechanisms or mechanics of how suffering is created and that's what we open to it's like you know that the movement of mind from oh there's something pleasant i like it i want it <coughs> suffering oh something unpleasant i want to get rid of it oh aversion those those mechanisms that the buddha described are human mechanisms and so when we see those happening we're, we're kind of dropping below the individual stories. I mean, there, we all have our own individual experiences. You know, there, there are different flavors of that. that I mean, we have, we have different stories to tell about how the mind moves from um, unpleasant to, to wanting to get rid of something. For some, it may, be, it may be, you know, anger and lashing out. For others, it may be, get me out of here. Uh, so, but, but the basic movement of separation is a human movement when there's something unpleasant. And so I really feel that the Buddha described kind of underlying human mechanisms that are at work in the deepest way to create our suffering, to create, that, that creates our struggle and our... Um, our basic unhappiness in life, our basic feeling of dissatisfaction. And so even though we have very individual experiences and stories, the underlying mechanisms are very much the same. And so I can describe what I've seen in terms of my own mind at that lower level, not telling necessarily the whole story, but just like, yeah, I, you know, I, I had this experience when I, got, I, I saw a lot of anger and here's what I noticed about that anger. I can tell that story and people will hear it. It's like, yes, I've experienced that because it's a human experience. And so that's partly why I say that one of the things that the Buddha was pointing to was noticing the human experience because it's the, it's the underlying similarity, uh, the, the patterns and habits of... of um, how our minds get caught are very similar person to person. There's, there's, 
the, the, the way that our minds tend to get stuck and the way our minds tend to be able to be released, there's not a lot of variation in that. There's a lot of variation in the detail. But we drop below the detail in our, in our meditation and see the, the patterns at work. So I hope that's, uh, that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The, this last meditation was um, fascinating to me. Um, I think it's the momentum of the day that um, I, you know, like the whole day I was following your, your instructions, right? And, and then suddenly I saw a lot of things inside this being that had wanted to be seen mm. for a long time. And some were sad, some were joyful, and I could I could hold the sadness with compassion, and it it just you know I think it's like when you said the end and end, and like in my mind I had this feeling of oh and this too wants to be seen, yes. and this too wants to be seen, and just. Be patient, as you said, you know. Um, that was unexpected. Mm. Uh, thank you. Mm, you're welcome. I mean, the, the, the notion that you point to of uh, everything wanting to be seen. I, mean, I, I spoke to this the other night on Thursday night, I think. I gave a Dharma talk about how love comes into this practice. And, um, you know, when we think of wanting to be loved, we often, in a way, we want to be seen. You know, we, we just so want somebody to see us for who we are. And that's what we think of would be, you know, the, that deepest kind of love. If somebody could really just accept us for exactly who we are. And the likelihood that any other person is going to be able to do that is pretty small. And yet, that is exactly what we are doing for ourselves in the practice, is seeing ourselves so thoroughly. And that, that experience of seeing ourselves really thoroughly, ultimately, I mean, it's, it's wisdom that, that grows there and allows a freeing. And the emotional feeling of that is loving. And so it's this, this uh, interesting interplay between wisdom and love. And the... the the wisdom is what frees us and the experience can feel not only like equanimity, but also like that we are so thoroughly seen that we're just sitting in this field of love for ourselves and for others. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. So it's, um, it is, that is our practice, that and, that and practice of and this too, and this too. Can everything be seen? And the, the, the poem that I used that evening, see if I can remember it. It's by a Japanese nun. I think she was a nun. She lived several centuries ago, I think. Watching 
the moon at dawn, solitary mid-sky. I knew myself completely, no part left out. And that's, that's what we're exploring, no part left out, nothing rejected, everything held in this allowing, loving attention. And that, that loving attention, again, is connected with wisdom that allows a transformation something new to happen. Exactly what I felt. Like, n- usually there are things I don't want to see or don't accept, and everything came. And, but what surprised me was how natural it came, it flowed through this practice mm-hmm. compared to doing the loving kindness and compassion practice, where, where we're kind of trying to do that yes. in a way. Yeah. And here, I was just sitting here, you know, not trying to do anything, as you, ex- <laughs> you explained all day. And, th- this and this is what comes. Yeah. Yep. And, and also, I mean, again, it's the, because we're exploring a wisdom practice, we're not consciously trying to find our way to the compassion and love. And yet, the wisdom and the love are so intimately connected that they're both, a door- they're both doorways for each other. And for some of us, for me, definitely, the wisdom doorway was the opening to the compassion. It was very, it was hard for me, especially early in the practice, to consciously open to compassion and, and loving kindness. It just felt so constructed and, and, and it, it just, it was so hard. It, <laughs> it was so painful to try to do that. And yet this practice, you know, through the wisdom doorway, allowed me to open to that the naturally arising compassion and love. And then at, at some point it became easy to consciously go there. So other people, for, for other people, the doorway of compassion and love is the doorway in. There's no one doorway. There's so many different doorways. And so sometimes I, I say to people, whatever feels most natural and easeful for you in your meditation, use that. Go from there. Because all of the doorways into the Dharma connect to all of the other doorways. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and behind you. Thank you so much for this week. It has been so much learning and so much, so appreciate your teachings this week. Um, I had a question about um, the the uh, experience that somebody uh, last night um, mentioned about being, at, at that point was cooking something and having their kind of perception shift into this everything and nothing connection, this state. And this week, I ha- I've had a similar experience um, prior, and then I had another one of those this week um, where I was, I was playing with the, you know, um, my hindrance is, uh, was in anxiety and restlessness. And you and we were practicing um, noticing when it wasn't there, and I, in my in a moment of noticing it wasn't there, I felt connection and to everything at once mm-hmm. and absolute bliss, and it only lasted for one second, two seconds, and went away. And I went, oh my gosh, I just I saw I saw something, <laughs> saw something, yeah, and and. I'm wondering, kind of like when you when you just said two, it's like doorways, door, different doorways. 
what what is what are those moments that of seeing is that an awakening experience or is that what is that in your experience what are those what i would say is those moments are kind of the moments of touching into greed aversion and delusion if not completely falling away most likely not completely falling away but really weakening in that moment and so you are that the mind is touching into either the releasing of that or that it's not there and and in in looking at oh this hindrance isn't there it's like so often we don't notice when something is absent and yet the absence of things the release of things the the release of aversion the release of greed when that happens there's the when if we're available to know that happens there's a whole um kind of terrain of of uh that letting go that that creates wisdom in, or creates the conditions for wisdom and understanding to arise and so it's 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 a letting go that happens there and in that letting go understanding is there and and as i've said it's not we aren't creating the wisdom it's more it's in some ways we are opening to wisdom that's very deep in in some ways it's it's in here the 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 the, the release of greed aversion and delusion the buddha the buddha described freedom is the the absence of greed the absence of aversion the absence of delusion as those fall away freedom is available and it is sometimes expressed positively as wisdom but the the buddha didn't define freedom as the accumulation of anything he defined it as the falling away of things. And so what you were noticing was that things were falling away and that creates the conditions for a different kind of seeing. And fo- follow-up question, is it normal or within I don't know uh, of having had that there is in then the subsequent days there was this um relief of or 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 kind of belief or confidence that that happened. I experienced that. It's in just kind of an easing up that has now been followed by a, a clamping down. Clamping down. <laughs> and I, this is completely normal. Oh, okay, okay, it's okay. completely normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll go through these cycles, and and it's 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 kind of you know initially a, a, a seeing of some kind can just be. Uh, such a, a boost to our to our um, confidence and, and sense, but then at some point our habitual mind kicks in. It's like, well, why can't I do it again? Or <laughs> how come I can't get that back? I must be doing something wrong. I, I'm failing. I'm failing. This kind of cycle is very normal. So I can I can just say yes. You know it. <laughs> so you know if if that offers you any relief, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe one more one more comment. Oh, one thing else I'll say about that too. Um it's a slightly different flavor of 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 that kind of thing that happens when we've seen something clearly. Um that sometimes immediately following that suddenly it's like there's a whole like influx of hindrances it's like it's, it's like you know oh something just it's, it, there's this ease this opening and suddenly it's like 
explosion of stuff. And, and one teacher described this as um, the, the word she used, Michelle McDonald is the one that used this. She said, it's, a, it's this alternation between purity and purification. And so there's, a, there's an opening to something new, an understanding. And it's almost as if there's been a release, like a certain level of pressure has been released from our system, from our minds. And with that release of pressure, new things can come up. And, the, and then we get to be with that. Um, and one other teacher, and somebody else says, but why? Why does it work that way? And Sylvia, Sylvia Borstein said, you know, she came up with this analogy. She said, you know, when they fire rockets into the sky, you know, there's a lot of space junk in the sky. There's all kinds of stuff up there. And they have to time the launching of those rockets to when there's space. And so, you know, they, they have to kind of know where all the space junk is and like, okay, now we can fire that rocket. And she said, that's what's going on in our minds. It's like, there's some space that's created and suddenly it's like, oh, new rockets can fire. <laughs> so it's not, it's not going backwards in some ways, this kind of cycle. It's, it's more that there's, there's new things that can come up. Like our system has said, oh, finally, there's some space for me now. Okay, here I am. <laughs> So that's another, another, another way that that pattern can happen. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and just quickly. Yeah. I just want to ask, um, um, during like a, a longer like time meditation, um, is it, um, I find myself sometimes have to like open my eyes and uh, adjust and uh, it's, it feels like diving and then have to come up above the water and mm-hmm. then like trying to read that. Yeah. Is that normal? That's completely normal also. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, sometimes the mind, I mean, there, there are times, especially like on a longer retreat, it's a similar kind of thing. It's like the, the mind is open to something new and it kind of needs to um, normalize with that or, or integrate that. And that may happen by opening the eyes or relaxing a little bit and then, and then opening again. So it's, it, yeah, it's completely normal. And so um, thank you for your practice today. May the benefits of our practice together be offered to support the welfare, the happiness, the freedom of all beings everywhere. May all beings know peace. Thank you. And uh, if there are, say, seven of you or so who would be able and willing to stay behind and do a little bit of cleaning the center, thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Thank you. And and you can come up to, to me and I'll give you some suggestions of what to do. Thank you.